In our breakout and best-selling book, Looking for Angels, A Guide to Understanding and Connecting with Angels, Dr. Scott Guerin and I share how you can communicate with angels, understand signs from the universe and these celestial beings, feel at peace knowing you are always connected to source, and much more. Get your copy today at lookingforangelsbook.com, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or your local bookstore. And now you can even get the audio version narrated by me and Scott through Amazon, Audible, and iTunes. You are listening to A Psychic Story, a podcast that shares behind-the-scenes insights of people who lead supernatural lives among the ordinary. And I'm your host, Nicole Bigley. Join me every Wednesday as I dispel the myths behind magic and lore. Welcome to A Psychic Story. Mysticism. Hi, everyone. Thank you for listening to another episode of A Psychic Story. I have on with me today, Rachel Lang. She is an astrologer and a psychic medium. And we are here to talk about her latest book, Modern Day Magic. But obviously, you guys know me very well. Before we get into that, I really want to ask Rachel about her life, like what got her started into astrology, the psychic mediumship. And you also contribute, Rachel, to a lot of different magazines and outlets. And so you're pro. So welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much, Nicole. I'm really excited to be here with you. So let's get started. What was your first, I guess, spiritual psychic experience? Wow. Well, you know, I think like so many psychics, I've always had psychic awareness um, ever since I was a child. And I mean, I remember I was, my parents had us involved in this the evangelical branch of the Catholic Church. And, you know, it was a, a pretty interesting way of growing up. It was not out of the ordinary for me to be talking about the angels I was seeing or to be giving prophetic messages at church or participate in miraculous healings. And so I grew up with a real strong sense of my own gifts. And it wasn't until later, I, I was in that, in that religious environment until I was about 14 years old. And that's when I discovered the new age section of the library. <laughs> and, uh, and I checked out, I think I checked out every book in the library system at that time between 14 and 18 and, um, started really getting into astrology, started reading tarot cards. And then from there, really developed the innate gifts that I had within um, the structure of a spiritualist church, which is a religion and a religious ideology that believes in the communication with the afterlife or with, you know, the spirits who've crossed over. So I developed with teachers and worked decades for with, uh, you know, working on to develop the gifts and hone the gifts 
I'm fascinated about the earlier part because I grew up in a spiritual family, but it was more on the metaphysical side. And like you said, the new age book section where they were open to that, but not necessarily more about the religious ideology and everything else. So what was it like when you were, I guess, open to that religion and what you were experiencing, but then also starting to realize your gifts and tapping into more of that? What was it like in terms of differences or things that kind of made you like things that I guess stood out as aha moments? Yeah, great question. Well, you know, when it was under the umbrella of the Christian, of the Christian faith, there were different languages, different words I would use for the experience I had, experiences I had. I would talk about seeing angels. And for me, it was very physical. It was, you know, visual seeing them or feeling them or hearing. I was naturally clairvoyant and clairaudient um, from an early age. And it wasn't until I started to explore religion and spirituality outside of Christianity that I realized that there are universal truths and that spirits are spirits and you can call them what they are. Um, but there's a similar vibration. I did my research, my master's research on magic and, uh, on witch trials of the early modern period. And I found some correlations between what a lot of organized religion talks about when they talk about the Holy Spirit or when they talk about Shakti or, you know, when they talk about that that creative spiritual force and magic. And, and so I studied the Western esoteric tradition. Um, I studied uh, Buddhist tantra yoga. I, I studied all of these from an ac- academic perspective, looking for the relationship. And what I found is that there is this universal spiritual force that's alive in all of us. And we tap into it in those times of mystical experience when we release ourselves from our egos and we open ourselves to spirit. That's so cool. I feel like I could have a whole episode on just that, like the witch trials, (laughs) the history, the correlations, the synchronicities behind it all. It's just so cool to like think about. So when you say, okay, so one thing that popped in my head, what do you, when you look at angels or you've seen them, what do they look like to you or how do they appear? They appear as just big forms of light. And what it kind of looks like to me is like um, a starburst. As a child, you know, I, I was seeing these when I was five and six years old, seven years old, and they looked like great big snowflakes that were mm. all illuminated. So they were sort of formless beings of light. Energy. Have you seen them? Yeah, I've seen them. Well, when I was younger, I it was more feeling like Mm. just knowing it's almost kind of like if you were to have your eyes closed and you had your family members or friends in a room like you can still kind of feel their presence but at the same time you know they're there because they're physical but that's because we're physical beings we just happen to know that with our sight but I would feel this energy around and it felt strong enough and separate enough to know it wasn't just a feeling or an emotion that it was something in existence. It wasn't until I started to get my Reiki mastership and certification that I started to see the lights and it was Mm. more like sparkling color lights, like Christmas lights. I like to explain it, like kind of flittering in and out, but not the big bursts. Like, like I, um, I know some people have said that they've seen like these big beans. Um, I see Mm -hmm. them in my mind's eye visually too, but not again, physically. Mm -hmm. But I think that's the same, that's the same thing. I mean, I think, you know, from doing the work that you do, that when you're first starting to open your gifts, we have all of these filters from 
the messages that we receive as children about how safe or unsafe it is to access the, the spiritual realm. And so I think that, that what you're saying, seeing something in your mind's eye is as valid and credible as seeing something physically. And I think the reason why I was able to do this as a child is because it was, you know, it was condoned in my family system. You know, what? You see angels? That's amazing. <laughs> um, and, and my parents really, I, I, I credit them. They really fostered this as long as I was doing it within the Catholic church. When I started to go outside and, and explore, uh, you know, then they was like, oh, no, no, this is dark. <laughs> yeah. But you, you bring on something really important that I've said before on the show and with other people. And even in my private life, having, having these conversations is that when we're children, we have this openness about us and we don't have those filters. As we get older, we start to put those filters and layers from society and everything else. Like you were saying, like what is condoned, what is not condoned. Um, also all of the, like you're crazy if you talk about it. And in some ways we think about it as creativity. And in others, I do feel like it is a part of us. We don't filter it because we come in as these spiritual beings and then we're taught later on to filter it. So having that open-mindedness, whether it's from your family or your friends or even just yourself is really important regardless of what age you're at. And there are some things when you're younger, it makes it a little bit easier to kind of keep and hold on to it as you get older versus when you're just kind of opening yourself back up as an adult, which I have been getting a lot of people who listening to the show and just reaching out are like, I'm just now starting to re-explore these areas. And I think it's important for them to kind of hear the message about you see those lights or you feel something around you or you see that feather or you think it's a sign. It is a sign. Like it's a sign to you because you're feeling connected or reconnected back to the universe. Yeah. And our loved ones in spirit, our guides, they want to be known. They want to show themselves to us. They want us to know that they love us, that they're there with us. And, you know, every I've been doing mediumship for about 25 years now like developing the gift in a very concentrated way and then working with it professionally. And every single session I do, the primary messages are love. I am here. You're not alone. And even in those mediumship sessions where the relationship is challenge, challenging on earth, there is often a healing that happens because they want to make themselves known. So yes, they'll leave <laughs> feathers in your path. Or my um, my mother-in-law is in spirit and she leaves dimes everywhere. We always see strange dimes in mysterious places. So they're always trying to find some way to nudge us and say, hey, I've got you. My grandmother is a cardinal and she oh. and she annoyed the crap out of my mom <laughs> for a while after she like to the point where my mom was like I think like this bird's following me around oh. the house I like, got anyway that's a whole nother story but um so you explained like me or mentioned mediumship what is that like for you so how do you tap into it and how does it feel like from your side when somebody comes to you for a session when somebody's loved one is trying to communicate through you what does that look like and feel like Mm -hmm. Well, I, I do medium. So I am a media, a psychic medium. Astrology is the main hat that I wear. I incorporate psychic mediumship into my astrology sessions. And what usually happens if I'm not paying too much attention to spirit is they will freeze <laughs> my zoom connection or they will mess something up or I'll sound like a robot to where I have to stop and pay attention. Or another thing that happens 
is that I actually get my ears start to ring. Like people would say it's tinnitus. It's, it's not, it's, it's usually a spirit wanting to come through. So there's always a physical, a physical sign that spirits wanting to, to communicate. And, you know, we, when you do mediumship, you have to raise your vibration enough and the spirit has to lower their vibration enough to where you make a, you make contact. So the beautiful thing about this work is you can never stay depressed. <laughs> you can never be in a depressed place. If you're going to be doing this work, then your life is going to change just because, because you're always going to be up leveling yourself spiritually in order to do the work that you do. Physically, it is nothing feels better than being in that state of love and connection. Even though the work itself, like a lot of times you're just translating information, just like, you know, being the messenger, but the messages are always healing. No matter what those messages are, they're always offering something that's helping someone. And, and what is more rewarding than feeling like you're a part of someone's healing process and that you're helping someone else? Yeah, I love that. The reason why I asked about what it was like for you is because I'm not, a, I don't consider myself or define myself as a medium either or a psychic medium necessarily like you do. It's more, I've been getting a lot of people showing up from the other side for loved ones because they've been asking me for intuitive readings, like show me or help me connect with my angels, my guides, and what that looks like. And I've been finding the last several months more and more their loved ones because times are tough here on earth. And like you just said, like up leveling your vibration and your energy, their loved ones want to connect more from that other side. And so I think that's like most people think of mediums as like you're channeling, like you're sitting around a table with a crystal ball and they come into you and you have like different voice and all that. And it's very different. It's not Hollywood movie type of thing. It's truly like you mentioned, connecting with your vibration to the level of they're able to come in and you're able to connect with them that way as well. You're right. It's it's never, I don't sit around with a crystal ball. I sit on, a lot of times on my computer on Zoom. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and what's, you know, I think what's, people ask me often, what happens in a session? And I say, it's kind of like life coaching. It's also like a healing. Um, it's like you come out of that session feeling like you've had a really good massage or that you've had a really good therapy session. Like it's, it's, um, it's uplifting for people who are sitting with you. When you are doing mediumship, a lot of people ask me the question of, well, don't you open up yourself up to dark energy? And don't you, you know, invite in, you know, spiritual entities and things like that. And what I would say to that is that there is that our mindset has a lot of influence over what we bring in, what we do, and our own energy field. And so each time I start my session, I say, create a sacred space, say my body is a sacred space, I light candles, and I'm, uh, and I'm, I'm operating or working on, uh, on a vibration to where I'm attracting helpful energy. And, um, and I think that our fear can be an attractor as much as our love. And so for people who are just starting out or wanting to connect with spirit, I would say the best thing you can do is eliminate the fear that you feel in your body when you are raising your vibration up 
to another level, it feels different in your body. It, it changed. You have a biochemical change. And so adjusting to that good feeling and which at first is like a little scary, but adjusting to that really, uh, opens you up to have miraculous encounters that enrich your life. Well, it reminds me, it goes back to that saying or that quote where when there's light, there's no, there's no darkness. When your vibration is so high and you're pulling in or pulling towards you love, then nothing from a dark side or that fearful side should really inherently be there, right? Mm-hmm. Or if you do, I mean, I've had encounters with spirits that I would not want to hang out with on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. But what can happen is if you are filling your own body with love, your energy body with love, with light. If you are in a really high vibration, then what happens is you can relate to that almost like a parent would relate to a child. Like, hey there, what are you doing? (laughs) Do you really need to be here? Why don't you go back home? (laughs) You know, or let's go, you know, let's find a way to, 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 to transmute this energy. We always have power. Mm -hmm. over our bodies, over our energy bodies, and we can invite in whatever we want. And we can tell whatever comes in that we don't want to leave. And I think this is important more than just talking about spirits, which is just one piece of this. This is also talking about anyone who is opening themselves up to spiritual growth and exploring their spiritual gifts. We become more sensitive. We become, our auras become more porous. And so we're more affected by the energies of the earth, by other people in our lives. When I first started doing this work, I could not see or talk to the people in my life who were really negative all the time, like who always had something to complain about. It like just did not feel good anymore. Whereas before, I wouldn't have noticed it. Mm -hmm. And this is what happens for us is that we just become sensitive and, and so we want to honor and love our sensitivities because they are the keys into, I mean, this is how we're going to create a new world, a new earth, where we have more compassion for one another, where we're more interested in how we can help one another and create a, a world that's more just and equitable and peaceful. The spiritual shift that we're all going through is a part of that. And so we all need to um, accept our sensitivities, own them and use them as reference points for making decisions about who we spend time with and what we do with our lives. So, so beautifully said. And I got chills multiple times when you were saying that because it's really an important message for us all. Like not just where we are when you're listening to this, but moving forward into the future and where your intentions are when you're looking at, like you said, your spiritual journey or just why you're having certain experiences that you are in your life. I want to go into astrology. So why is that your first love? And, uh, (laughs) you know, just tell us all the things about it. Okay. Uh, What's your sign, first of all? Oh, me? I'm a Pisces, but I also, I I always butcher this. I'm like an Aries, Aries something. It's like Aries, Aries, Pisces. Anyway. Ah, so Aries rising, Aries moon, Pisces sun. Yes, Aries rising, Leo moon, and Pisces. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, I can definitely see the Pisces. That the the intuition. Mm-hmm. Pisces is a very it's like one foot in the spiritual, one foot in the practical. Yeah. So so I just gave you an example of why astrology is so amazing. Because 
you have the symbolic language to use to understand other people, to understand mm. ourselves. And we can use astrology very much. I mean, there, astrology is, it's based on cycles and the study of cycles. So it's pretty predictable. You can see if you're going through this cycle, then these kinds of things are going to happen. If you were born under this cycle, this, this uh, influences your personality in certain ways. And so astrology is, it's a science and it's an art, both. I think astrology is a great blend of the right and left hemispheres of the brain. You know, it's like you can, it's a very mathematical, very scientific, and it's also conceptual, nonlinear. You know, every single planet has layers and layers of meaning. So you could look at your Venus, for example, which relates to your love, relates to how you attract in your soulmate and your friends, but it also relates to money. And very often our relationship with money mirrors our relationship with others. If we feel rejected or abandoned, or if we feel left out of, you know, of, of relationships with others, then very often that's how we experience finances in our life. Like uh, you have money and then it goes away. And, and so the theme of Venus is self-worth and personal value. And so you can look at someone's Venus and see so much about their openness to receive their fear of intimacy and also, or the opposite, or, you know, do they love being with people and feel deserving of love? And then once you have that information, you can work with it. We're never stuck in one place. We're never limited. In fact, astrology shows us potential where we might not otherwise see it, see it. They, it shows us some of our blind spots so that we can shine a light on those blind spots and learn from our mistakes and create new neuro pathways and, and really have, have ownership over our destinies. So what do you say to somebody that says astrology is BS? Because we go back to the first part of the interview where you were talking about you looked into a lot of past societies and cultures here on earth and how, you know, there was magic and other things that were potentially applicable into their life. And I always thought just from a soul place and knowing that to me, astrology was, it was our ancestors way of looking up to the sky, looking up to what they were feeling from a natural standpoint, not necessarily as much scientific and being able to kind of map it a little bit more regularly to how they were feeling, what was happening on the world that they physically saw. That's my perspective. Now, I am not a mathematician. I'm also not a scientific person. So anytime I've tried to dive into astrology when it relates to that, I'm like, wait a second, like this is not for me. That's why it's, I'm so excited to talk to you. But I guess that's my <laughs> question is like, what do you say to that? Because I do feel like that there is a scientific explanation to some things, even though people might want to poo-poo it. Mm -hmm. I think you're right about, you know, the ancients, the ancients did everything on the stars. They navigated, navigated their way to traveling back and forth between different islands and different territories. They planted things. Their, their holidays and festivals and celebrations were all coincided with lunar cycles, solar cycles. So astrology has been woven into our culture for thousands and thousands of years, back to ancient Samaria and Babylonia 
and then Greek and Roman, you know, every culture has their own version of astrology. Um, the, the Mayans, the, the we have Hindu, uh, you know, Vedic astrology. So, so this is, there are, and there are relationships between those themes, those cultural, those, the astrology of those different cultures and the way that they present themselves in Western astrology. So yeah, so this is a system of thought that is older than most, than patriarchal systems. And so it's hard to deny the power or the potency of something that's been around for thousands and thousands of years. And sure, there have been times in history where it was not legal to be an astrologer. There have been times when science has discredited it, you know, uh, post-enlightenment thinking. And the times when we have had the most growth and excellence and technological innovation and the times of real cultural renaissance, astrology has been a big theme. It's been a big part of, of culture, and we're seeing that today. So there, I believe there are electromagnetic frequencies or some kind of frequency, if they're not just athletic, uh, electromagnetic, that we are influenced and affected by the movement of the planets on a physiological level. You know, the planets are made and the stars are, are made of the same minerals and nutrients and chemical compounds that we have in our own bodies. So we can't look at that and say the cosmos and say it's separate from who we are because quantum physics is showing us that actually, no, we're connected to everything and in ways that through subatomic particles that we can't see. So I think that there are, there's a psychological archetypal, you know, uh, resonance with astrology, but I think there are also scientific reasons that astrology works that we just don't know yet. So what are those things from your perspective that do work for us? What, what, what do you want? Like, so if somebody's going to book a session or with you, or when you kind of look at them and, and, and say, okay, here's how I break it down. What does work for us now? And how does that help in terms of somebody talking with you or looking into astrology? Mm-hmm. Like I said, astrology is a study of cycles. And we go through cycles our all of our lives every one of the planets has a different cycle saturn for example takes about 29 years to go around the zodiac and so every seven years we have saturn transit leading up to the saturn return at 29 and again at 58 to 59 and they're pretty predictable. We know what Saturn represents. Saturn represents the structures of your life. It's the adulting planet. It's the, uh. <laughs> you know, the time, the time to grow up, you know? Um, so often Saturn transits come with commitments. They come with new sets of responsibility. It's a time when we take the reins of our life and say, I'm going in this direction. And so that's just one planet. Every planet has its own set of interests, its themes. And the soul growth, um, lessons that we learn during those significant cycles. So when someone goes, comes for a session, you can look and see the birth chart and see some of the, the challenges that they've faced throughout their lives and some of the strengths, some of the, 
even some of the, the aspects of childhood that still play out in relationships and in other areas of their life. And so you can look and see, okay, this is where you started from. Here is where you've evolved and here is where you're going. And so it's not like, you know, there is a predictive element to it. Like we can, it's almost like a weather mm-hmm. forecast. Like, oh, this is what's coming up this year. Carry an umbrella or stay inside. And, and so it works like that. It works with helping someone to see where they're, where they are in, in the overall pattern and fabric of their lives. So I'm going to get deep for a second. So bear with me. Hopefully this makes sense. Okay. Awesome. (laughs) So, so I really, I love what you said about we're all interconnected, not just ourselves, but just with everything that we have, the earth, the, you know, the, the sky astrology. And I pulled up a quote, it's on my Instagram about we're all stardust, because when you look actually at our DNA and where we originated from, those chemical compounds that you mentioned are in our DNA. That's what makes us such our unique resonance um, is because of that. And just it's so beautiful when you think about the synchronicities with that. At the same time, time is not linear, right? So there's that. Then when my belief is when we came onto this earth, we made a decision as spiritual beings or energetic or conscious beings to implant and be here to have this experience at this moment in time. And then you weave in astrology. So I guess what I'm saying is what you're kind of explaining is astrology to us is almost like a star map or a way of road signs and roadmaps to share and show us where we are at those moments and where energy at that moment in time kind of help us like we can almost like tap into it, expand our energy, kind of pull back our energy, use it to our advantage to really be our truest essence. Am I explaining that correctly or is that totally not correct? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a beautiful way of putting it. Yes. And and just speaking to that, you know, yeah, so astrology does show us, you know, your birth chart is a snapshot in the, it's like a photograph in the moment of a moment in the history of the universe. And so it astrology acknowledges that we're timeless and that, yes, this incarnation is here for these things and these are the themes that you'll experience. But it can also give us insights into past lives or into, you know, things that we're here to learn, karmic lessons that we're here to learn. So taking the whole idea of we are stardust and we are DNA, that's one piece of this. But also, there we're, we're connected to this set of archetypes. So Carl Jung actually talked about archetypes and astrology. And we have all of these in our collective conscious. And each one of the planets, each one of the signs is an archetype. So we also can look at astrology as creating, as a, as giving us a tool to create our own person, personal mythology, to see you as the protagonist in your own story. And here, here is, you know, the, the destination that you're going to, to end, to, to move toward on your journey. And here are some of the challenges that you'll face along the way and some of the friends and some of the blessings too. Yeah. It's almost like what I just wrote down is, Astrology is like our spiritual fingerprint because mm. we look we look at it right as like you said our past lives our future our present and our future but at the end mm-hmm. of the day if we really aren't really collectively experiencing time 
that's our fingerprint. Mm -hmm. That's our definition. And we, from free will, have the opportunity to change it at any given point. Anyway, just wrote that down. I love it. (laughs) So tell us about your book, uh, Modern Day Magic. So Modern Day Magic, it's eight simple rules to realize your power and shape your life. And I, I've been working with magic for years and years. Um, and like I said, I researched it for my master's thesis in 2014. And so I look at magic from all different sides, but the book itself, it's made to be a, uh, a practical hands on book. There are rituals. There are journal exercises. There are lots and lots of resources for how to open up to your spiritual gifts talking about building intuition, talking about, you know, working with magical astrology. So it is really a how-to book that also has some moments of personal story and personal reflection. And and some of the parts were actually channeled. So so there's some spiritual, spiritual content um, in a very hands-on practical, with a hands-on practical approach. And what does magic mean to you? Because I think that sometimes people hear the word magic and they think of sorcery and witches and witches spells and Wiccan, which by the way is not poo-pooing that here on this, but magic from what I'm taking from you may mean something different. So how would you define it? Magic is that creative force that is alive in every one of us. And it's the, the energy that brings us into relationship with the earth, with one another and with the, with the spiritual realm. So it's the connecting force. Um, and it's a power. So we have it within ourselves and we can also access it anytime we're doing ritual. We can pull in magic uh, and forces of magic from the invisible realm as well. What is your number two? So you have eight steps or eight kind of tips in your book. What would you say? It's like asking you to pick a favorite child, but what (laughs) would you say? Like if you had to pick one out of all of them that you could not go a day without, what would be kind of your go-to tip? Magic rule number one, trust yourself. And, um, and, you know, this whole book started when I was, I was going through, uh, my wife and I were trying to start a family and we were facing a lot of setbacks on that path. And it was a four year journey. And in the middle of that journey, I walked to a, a new age bookstore that was just down the street from us. And I, I heard a voice in my head that said, there's something in here for you. So I walked in and there is a journal that said, think in magic on the cover. So I took it next door to a coffee shop. And I said, I think I wrote in it the first page. I said, I'm going to start a magic journal. You know, I'm I'm famous for starting journals and not, and like having empty journals. (laughs) Um, And so I wrote underneath that, you know, I don't actually think I'm going to stick with this, huh? And then suddenly it was as if something took over my hand and in a different handwriting, I found myself writing magic rule number one, trust yourself. And what channeled through from that and what came forward was just all the reasons why we let ourselves down, why we say, I'm going to do a meditation practice. And then three days in, we get burnt out or why we make commitment health. And like, I'm going to exercise five days a week. 
And then like we let ourselves down, like all the promises we break to ourselves. And so we can't be powerful in our intention setting, in our manifestation or in working with magic unless we feel that we are in integrity, that we are impeccable with our words, even if those words are just to ourselves. So trust yourself is a big one. To me, what's really important about that too is it's almost another way of saying like, my dad used to always say to me, you only do the best you can at that moment in time. So it's also a way of not being hard on yourself in some respects when you feel like you can't be perfect or you can't, you know, go that extra mile or whatever else. So it's almost like a double-edged sword of, yes, trust yourself like you have goals and you have objectives, but also being conscious conscious and forgiving of yourself to know that you did truly the best that you could at that moment in time and to trust that that was what you needed, that you didn't need to push yourself mm-hmm. harder, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I talk about this in the book, that there are so many different parts of us, so many different aspects of our personality, and those are all within the ego. And each one pulls us sometimes in different directions. Trusting ourselves is really about radical self-compassion. It's about saying, yeah, there's a part of me that does not want to exercise. And let me go find out what it needs because the other part of me that wants to exercise keeps getting disappointed. And so it's really about developing a beautiful, loving relationship with ourselves. And uh, I think that's so hard for us because we get all these competing messages from culture, from our families, from our friends, from our siblings. You know, we can lose touch with self-compassion and get into a process of like beating ourselves up. Uh, so trusting ourselves is returning back to love. Thank you. Yeah, I think that was really important for a lot of people to hear that are listening to this episode. One of the questions, what I totally respect about this whole process is I'm getting your guides and angels kind of coming in and being like, ask her about this question. So this is a question that they have for you. And it is, ask her about a moment that she lost faith temporarily in the spiritual or the spirit and the metaphysical and how it was renewed. Uh, Oh, that's a good question. Because of the pressure that I had from my family, really being anti all this work and being anti expressions of spirituality that were outside of, I I had years where I was really out of touch with my family. And we have a very close-knit family, love my, I'm oldest of five, love my siblings, love my parents. And it was really hard. And so I thought maybe I can maybe I can, you know, go back. And so I started going back to church. I was out as a lesbian and I decided to go back in the closet. So I really adjusted my whole life to fit within the, to have relationships with the people I loved the most. And this was in my twenties. And then when I got to be about 30, 29, 30, my Saturn return, I magic kept on waking up inside of me and I had closed off to all my gifts and, and I couldn't, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it anymore. It was too hard. It was, it was, you know, once you awaken to who you are spiritually, it's really hard to go back to sleep. 
And so there, I felt very powerless. I felt very weak. I, you know, really struggled with anxiety, with depression, with those kinds of things. And I met my mentor at that time. And she said, you need to be doing this work. What are you doing? She's like, I know you probably like your day job, but you're like, no, stop. And, um, and so I gave three free readings that she helped me get. And those three people referred me to three more people. And suddenly my practice, my practice was open and, and it happened fast. And it was as if spirit put me in alignment and showed me right away. No, this is actually a viable path for you and you need to keep going in this direction. And then, you know, I, I proceeded to, to make a lot of changes in my life, my personal life and my professional life. And, um, and that was, you know, 16, 17 years ago. And I've looked back a few times and wondered, you know, could I have stayed where I was? And I think when you invite magic into your life, you want to be open to where it takes you and limiting yourself to living within the confines of what's acceptable to those you love. It's not a way uh, to do that. And, um, and so I think working with magic, we have to constantly keep choosing ourselves because we're not just choosing ourselves, the ego, we're choosing ourselves spirit. We're following the, the voice of our own inner divinity, which is the voice of the divine. And the path that we set forward for ourselves and what that looks like, right? And that's why mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. a lot of people, when they ask the questions or they come to people like you or myself or others, it's, why am I feeling depressed? Why am I feeling anxious? Why am I feeling stressed? And it may feel super hard. And by the way, it is not necessarily an easy path to yeah. make the choice to step into that light, to embrace, like you were saying, your authentic truth, but you have to make other decisions along the way. But ultimately you end up being so much happier because it's almost like when you stop fighting it, because that's something that's inherently who you are, then the rest of it just falls into place. Like you said, with spirit and the universe that just was divinely leading you down that path. Yeah. Yeah. And when you think about it, what heroic figures in, in our lives do we think of and say, oh, they're really comfortable. <laughs> True. <laughs> you know? The people that are comfortable are the ones I would not emulate for sure. Yeah. 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 Like no one, no one wants to, like, I think that, that comfort's not a bad thing. I'm, I'm all for comfort. But I think that there's something so much more fulfilling about constant growth and moving in, like continuing to build on the gifts and the skills that we have. And, and I, I think that it's, you know, I think that, that there's real power in being willing to say, I will let go of anything or anyone, um, that is, that is standing in the way from me living my truth. And when we, when we do that, then, then we just access our power. So, and our truth can change. I mean, you know, I think we have to give ourselves permission to go in a direction and say, this was my truth and now it's not. So truth can, can shift, but ultimately that pull from our hearts, that following of truth leads us, it's like a breadcrumb that if we follow that, we get to the next right step. And then we get there and we say, okay, what's next? Okay, spirit, what have you got for me now? And then we're pulled in a new direction um, or in the same direction in a new way. 
So I think that it's important to not ignore the leanings of our hearts. What other things that we didn't cover during this talk, which I've loved thoroughly, thank you very much, that you wanted to share or that you're feeling led to share with the listeners? I would say we covered a lot of bases. I think just one more thing, and that is that if anyone is, and I'm sure your audience is full of people who are opening to their gifts and wanting to know how can I use them and what can I, you know, how can I build and develop them? And I would say that two things. One, it's really helpful to have mentors. It's, you know, I still talk to my mentors and say, Hey, I'm thinking about this thing because like anything, this is, it's a gift. You know, psychic ability is a gift. Mediumship is a gift, but it's also a skill that we want to develop. And it takes cultivation to know how to deliver the messages in the most beautiful and thoughtful way and how to interpret some of the symbols that we receive. And I think, you know, we live in a culture where everything's available and it's a DIY culture. You can go on TikTok and learn everything <laughs> from how to, you know, fix a toilet to how to dance. Um, but, but I think when you're working with spirit in this way, we have a real responsibility to honor spirit with our, um, with our care and our discipline. So that's one thing I would say. And the other thing I would say is that authenticity is of primary importance when we're working with magic or doing astrology or working with psychic and mediumship gifts that we always want to ask ourselves, check in with ourselves and say, is this mine or is this someone else's? Um, is this desire mine? Is this message mine? Is this feeling mine? And bringing it back to the core, back to the center, I think is a way to do that. How would someone find a mentor if they're not, if they don't know how to go about it? Like, I do feel led at some point to start to put that community together and help people because I know, like, I mean, just and having the conversation with you, I can reach out to you, I can talk to other people and I can ask. But for people that may just be very new on the cusp and they're not necessarily sure and there are so many different practitioners and everything else, how do they go about it? Yeah, it's, um, I think, find someone that you love and that you gravitate toward. It's a person by person thing. You know, I offer mentorship circles because there was a real need. My students were looking for more. And, um, and so, so I, I love creating community in that way because I make my students work with one another and I like give them homework to do. It's, you know, you, you want to work with someone who, who is really invested in, in building you up and encouraging too. So I think find someone you love and start taking classes, start attending whatever events they have. That's one way to do it. I think the other thing is that when you're ready, when you are ready, the teacher appears. Yes. <laughs> and this is what happens all the time. That, you know, you'll be, you'll go to a party and suddenly there's someone who is offering a class and, oh my gosh, I want to take your class. So tell your guides, this is what I'm looking for. And I'm open and I'm ready. And just know that when we say <laughs> we're ready, that it's that instantaneous. Life <laughs> Yes, it is. Well, it's not, sometimes it's not. Sometimes we have to learn through life or, or our guides work with us. And it's like, nope, do this first. True. 
but the teacher does appear. Yes. Well, thank you so much. And how can people reach you or what way would you like them to contact you? My website is rachellangastrologer.com and that's Rachel, R-A-C-H-E-L, Lang, L-A-N-G, astrologer.com. And that's my Instagram handle. I'm also on um, TikTok as Rachel Lang Magic and Twitter as Rachel Lang 11 and uh, basically every social media platform. Well, be sure to include it in the show notes as well. But thank you so much for sharing about your book, your personal experiences, how you developed and grew and also your offerings to everyone. And just really wanted to say thank you for being on. And thank you. It's been really a pleasure talking with you. Thank you for listening to A Psychic Story. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode and join the conversation on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. All episodes are free on your favorite podcast player or at apsychicstory.com. Have a question? Is there a topic you'd like to hear more about or have a suggestion for a future guest? Send an email to contact at apsychicstory.com or leave a voicemail message at 1-800-880-1881. We'd love to hear from you and you may even be featured on a future episode. If you're interested in booking a session with me, you can do that directly on the website. And if you want to hear even more content hosted by yours truly, check out my other show, Supernatural Matters. Reminder that you are automatically entered to win either a free 20-minute intuitive or energy healing session with me if you leave five stars along with a positive review. Currently, reviews can be left on Apple, Stitcher, Podchaser, or CastBox podcast players. Don't forget to email contact at a psychicstory.com when you do, because it allows me to get in touch with you if your name is pulled in the drawing. Your name stays in until you win.